Good morning. Welcome to worship. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 24th chapter. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known what time the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from the triune God in whom we live and move and have our being. Advent is one of my favorite liturgical seasons. Lent is number one. This is number two. And I guess I'm just drawn to church seasons with the idea that give us the chance to slow down and listen and watch for God's messengers among us. During Advent, we are reminded that God comes to change us and to change the world. And while I say that, I think Advent can be a bit confusing. Out there, we know there are many people, and maybe you are one of them, who is preparing for Christmas by watching Hallmark movies or by making lists and scratching things out and making another list and scratching things out and making another list for gift shopping and groceries, for eating and parties that will happen with our families or friends. Churches even get into this as we put up lights and trees. The Advent wreath comes out as we anticipate and prepare for Emmanuel, God with us, God for us, God in us and in our neighbor. We anticipate celebrating the coming again of Je in Jesus in the manger. And then we hear today's gospel and the other readings, and this just doesn't seem to fit with this picture that we have in our minds. There's discomfort and maybe even a little bit of tension as we consider Jesus, who's no longer a baby, but a grown person, a grown man, second coming at the end of all time. In some ways, it can seem like whiplash. Chapter 24 of Matthew begins with Jesus walking out of the temple and telling his listeners that the day will come when the temple will not be there. His disciples ask a question, whether it's out of fear or curiosity, we do not know because the gospel writer doesn't really let us into that feeling. But we do know that they ask, well, when will the end be? And what signs should we look for so that we might know that the end is near? Today's portion of gospel in Matthew 24 begins with Jesus telling his followers, no one knows. 
I don't know, the angels don't know, God is the only one who knows. And then he goes on to give examples of what that will be like. He reminds them of the days of Noah and the flood, or uses the example of two men in a field where one is taken and one remains, or two women who are grinding meal and one is taken and one remains. I think it's important to acknowledge here that there are some Christians who interpret these particular verses as the rapture, and a lot of people are interested in the rapture. I googled it and realized that there are over 40 million hits on that. I think the rapture theology makes a good book series, but it is not Lutheran theology. The underlying theology of the rapture is one of fear rather than love. As Christians who identify as Lutherans, we believe in God's grace and love for all people. There are no exceptions. We believe that Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. We profess this in the Apostles' Creed, but Jesus doesn't rapture the good ones and leave behind those who don't stay awake. As we live in this world, it can seem like a scary place. I know there are people who wonder, and maybe you have been one of them who wonder as well, is this the end? As we hear more and more of mass shootings motivated by hate or mental illness and increased gun ownership, as we watch images of war being played out on our television screens, as we hear about famine and politics and climate change and migration and uncertain economic futures. It is a scary time and sometimes the tensions are so palpable we can't even talk about these things with each other because if we do voice our opinions there is fear that we'll be ostracized or judged. When we hold these things in and our feelings in, I think that it can lead to denial as well as depression. Certainly it leads to isolation. Or when we carry our burdens alone, we can find ourselves with people who agree with us, which just makes our opinions even more deeply ingrained. Or we can find ourselves stuffing it in and finding ways to numb ourselves so we don't have to think about it by watching Hallmark movies, or going to the gym, or eating food, or taking sedatives. Almost anything to escape. But since we are in church this day, we have reason to go to the Bible and to learn how Christians lived in the past for the anxiety that they held from the very start of all time. By the time Matthew recorded this gospel, he had lived through the crucifixion of Jesus. Peter, James, and John had been executed. Nero was persecuting Christians in the early church. And the beautiful temple in Jerusalem that was said to have housed the very presence of God, well, that temple had already fallen down. Matthew knew what it was like to hold anxiety, and he wrote this gospel in the midst of an unknown future. 
He recorded what he remembered of Jesus' teachings for his disciples four times such as that. He knew that fear and foreboding can overtake us when terrible things happen. And it is that in big time turbulence, that gives us a chance to pray, to trust, and to remember that God holds this broken, crazy, and unpredictable world. Matthew knew that we needed hope. Matthew's words that guided that community have guided people for many, many years. He wrote this in about 70 AD. These words have guided people as they've lived through a civil war, World War I, World War II, the Bay of Pigs, and some of us even remember Y2K, and all of those other horrific events that happen to people as well as across the globe. Matthew was writing to a congregation that was losing confidence that Jesus would come again. The end was delayed, and their witness was fading. So Matthew wrote to encourage them to continue, to stay awake, to be ready, and continue to do what Jesus had taught them, to live as a witness to the resurrected Jesus, to be people of hope. So as we enter into this Advent season, I wonder, what is it like to live as a church of hope? What is it like to live as people of hope? Well, I think that congregations that share the good news of Jesus live in hope. You practice as this congregation living in hope through your ministries the music ministry, the prayer chain, your social action group, the quilters, prayer shawls, your vacation Bible school, the woodshop ministry. These are all ministries that are grounded in hope and they come out of where you are most grounded in hope, right here in worship. Worship is where you are reminded what it is to be people of hope. And so as people who live in hope, we go back to the basics of what Jesus taught. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other one. If anyone wants to sue you, give them, their, give them your shirt. Give them your coat as well. Love your neighbor and pray for those who persecute you. Or you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. As we begin this Advent journey, we start with the acknowledgement that none of us, including Jesus, knew the time or date of Jesus' return. And when it does happen, it is not, it is not to reveal God's wrath, but to reveal God's kingdom and authority. We wait not knowing when, but knowing that Jesus is coming. And that is what gives us hope. And in this exhortation from Jesus to stay awake, I believe that there's an Advent reminder that Jesus lived a life of hope in the face of death. His hope was fulfilled in the resurrection, and ours is too, as in our baptisms, we daily die and rise with Jesus. As we live into our call to faithfully care about the tasks set before us, and as we use the gifts that God has given us, 
It is here in this place the gift of faith is nourished at the table with wine and bread, in water with the reminders that we belong to Jesus and that God is faithful in his promises in the love that comes to us again and again and again. And so at this time in Advent we pray, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen. And now in the words of Jesus, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Tell what God has done. Thanks be to God.